You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. is entitled making it through the valley making it through the valley and I'll pray and then we'll get into it father thank you for your word that gives us strength you call us to seek your face and to seek your strength always and continually we thank you for the testimony of Anne that your hand has been on her and you have given her favor and open doors And Lord, that's an encouragement to all of us that, God, you are with us. I pray that through this message we would know how much you are with us and your presence. And we also um, commit all of our tithes and offerings to you, that you would bless them and that you would meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Father, give me grace and have your way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, put your hands on your hearts, please, and pray this with me nice and loud. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. Amen. Well, right now, we have over 30 people doing the March Challenge that have signed up. Not everybody's on the WhatsApp, but I'll try to make sure that everybody gets on the WhatsApp Um, online community, but even if they're not on the WhatsApp online community, signed up, there's over 30 people that are doing the March Challenge. And the March Challenge is about moving forward in March. So the challenge is God wants us to move forward in March, and it has three parts to it. Have a quiet time daily, two journal your quiet time, and then three, at least once a week, share the highlights of your quiet time with the online community. And uh, Anne has been a part of that. It's been encouraging to see her on and Patrick and Donna. And some people have been a little bit more quiet, but it's good to see uh, where the Lord is taking us as a church. Amen? Amen? The message this morning, again, is making it through the valley. And the text is Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. This is Nehemiah speaking. Of course, all the situation and the circumstances were to try to pull Nehemiah down. All the attacks were to try to pull Nehemiah down from doing this great work of restoration. But he stood firm. He set his face like a flint. He had resolve that came from God Almighty. And he said, so I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. Repeat after me. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Let's try. Let's say that one again. And I cannot come down. You don't have to repeat this part. 
Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? The theme this morning is you can walk through the valley and make it out victoriously. You can walk through the valley and make it out victoriously. So how can you make it through the valley? Life has many valleys of lamentation, places of deep sorrow, pain, and weeping. And if you're not going through this now, there will come times where you go through a valley in life, and I want you to remember this message. Life has many valleys of lamentation. David sings about the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23. The sons of Korah write about the valley of weeping in Psalm 84. Uh, they call it the valley of Baha, which sounds like weeping in Hebrew. Joel prophesied about the valley of decision. Moses declared that the promised land in which they were about to cross into was a land of hills and valleys. Yahweh brought Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones. Achan was executed in a place they called the Valley of Echor. And um, we read about that the last time I spoke, the last message. So Achan was executed in a place called the Valley of Achor, which means trouble or disturbance. So it was literally the Valley of Trouble. And Nehemiah began and concluded his, his inspection of the broken down walls at night through the valley gate. So when he was expecting, inspecting the walls in Nehemiah chapter 2, he first went through the valley gate and then went around inspecting all the walls and then came back through the valley gate. And yet in all of this, God promises, I will open... I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of valleys. Isaiah 41, verse 18. So today I want to talk to you about how to make it through the valley. And the first point is this. The V up there, first point. And oh, it would be good if the, do the kids, kids can have these uh, papers too, the, so you, you can keep along. That's one of the reasons I make the hands out. <laughs> make sure you guys, everybody has one. It's at what table? Oh, could you help? Thanks. So the first point, the first point, the V, is voice your pain and sorrow to God. Voice your pain and sorrow to God. Sometimes we think we can't voice our grief to God. If we do, we think God would see it as complaining. However, this is not a healthy or biblical mindset. 
Most of the Psalms have some kind of lamentation in them. There's even a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. And what many people don't know about the book of Lamentations is that it's a book full of acrostic poems covering each and every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So that every, in the first chapter, it's done in different ways, but the, in the first chapter, every verse of Lamentations starts with a Hebrew letter the first letter, the second letter, the third letter, and going down from Aleph to Tav. That this teaches us something about mourning, sorrow, lamentations before God. It teaches us we need to deal with our grief thoroughly before God in prayer. And not just in a cursory way, not just in a flippant way, but it's done very thoroughly in the book of Lamentations. But not just any type of prayer do we, uh, not just any type of prayer brings life and healing. Through lamentations, we learn that we deal with our grief thoroughly before God in prayer. But again, not just any kind of prayer. The model of prayer in scripture is poetry, song, writing, and art. Prayer that is real, raw, and honest before God, and prayer that is thoughtful and beautiful. So prayer in Scripture, if you, especially as you uh, unveil and see the original language, is poetic. And the poetry, much of it is lost in the translation. Again, you don't see that acrostic uh, poem or the acrostic poems in Lamentations. You don't see, you don't see the word plays. You don't see how it's carefully crafted. But prayer, when it, we're moving by the Spirit and we're letting God teach us, is poetic. It is song. It is writing. It is art. And it's prayer that is real, raw, and honest. And it's a prayer that is thoughtful and beautiful. Part of the healing process is producing poems, stories, songs, and art. And this is what the prophets did. This is what the writers of Scripture did. Writers of Scripture did. They produced songs and poems and stories and art. And this was... The process, they did it with God, but this was the process that they, they went through to find healing in God. Yeah, like, like journaling. Like journaling. It's cre what I'm trying to say here is it's creative. And it's crafted and it's artistic, and it's beautiful. And this is what prayer is meant to be.
Ecclesiastes reminds us there is a time to weep. There is a time to weep. But as God's people, we don't just weep about our own isolated pain and sorrow. We weep because Jesus wept. We remember that short verse in Scripture, Jesus wept. But also he, before Jerusalem, he had longed that Jerusalem would be gathered to him because he's their Messiah. And he wept profusely over Jerusalem because they would not gather to him. So we weep because Jesus wept. We weep because we are fellowshipping in the sufferings of Jesus. We weep because God's law is broken. In Psalm 119, 136, it says, My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. My eyes shed streams of water because they do not keep your law. And then there's a story that has been on my heart this week, and that's Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 11, 1 through 11. And this is the story of God's mark on the foreheads of the righteous to protect them from the judgments that are coming on the land. And I want to read this story. This has uh, been on my heart. I may not read all of it. Yeah, no, this one is Ezekiel chapter 9. Uh, that one is Psalm 119, 136. Psalm 119, 136. And then this is Ezekiel chapter 9. And it's a little bit scary at first, but let me read it to you. Then he cried out in my hearing with a loud voice saying, Draw near, O executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. Behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his shattering weapon in his hand. And among them was a certain man clothed in linen with a writing case at his loins. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Then the glory of God, the God of Israel went up from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed in linen, at whose loins was the writing case. Verse 4. The Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being committed in its midst. But to the others he said, In my hearing, go through the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity and do not spare. See, here was this angel with this writing kit, and he was putting a mark on everyone who sighed and groaned and lamented at the abomination, at the sin, at the wickedness that was in Jerusalem and that was in Israel. Everyone that had that mark was spared from judgment. Everyone who did not have that mark was not spared which shows us something very revealing. What is a righteous man or a righteous woman? A righteous man or a righteous woman is someone that laments and sighs and grieves over the sin of the world, over Jesus not being put first, over the abominations 
that are uh, prevalent in society today. There's a grieving and a lament. We participate in the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. Is that mark on your head today? Does it describe your life? If not, there's time, there's mercy, there's grace. When we stop crying and weeping, we know we are drifting away from God's heart, which is aching over the horrors caused by sin. We weep because the world is fallen. There's no one righteous, no, not one, except through the gift of grace and God's righteousness that is imputed to us through Christ. We, we, we weep over the fruit of sin, brokenness, sickness, and oppression and death that is rampant in the world. And we also weep over our own sins in repentance, as it talks about in James chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. And we weep because of the sacrifice we make for the sake of the gospel. Those who sow in tears will reap with joy, it says in Psalm 126, 5. Yet we know that weeping is never the final movement in God's symphony. Instead, it's a valley we are passing through. In the end, we read, he will wipe away every tear. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Revelation 21, 4. So yes, we go through this time of weeping. We go through this valley of weeping because God's word is broken. Because there's all these abominations in the earth. It should grieve us. It should cause us pain. It should cause us to cry out to God. There's nothing wrong with us if we lament. Actually, if we don't lament, if we don't cry, if we don't weep, there's something wrong because there's a disconnect between the word of God and the prophets and the Psalms and Jesus. Remember, Jesus wept. And us, there's that disconnect. And so my first point was voice your pain and sorrow to God. Voice your pain and sorrow to God. And Psalm 5, 1 through 3 says this. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider, consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. So notice his prayers are, there's this groaning. His words are groaning. There's this cry for help. This is David. And then if you look in Psalm 13, this was my psalm that I was reading for my own personal devotion yesterday. And it starts off like this. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel 
in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? So we see clearly that David is expressing and voicing his pain and sorrow to God, even when he feels neglected by God. But David doesn't usually stay there. Most of the times he, he walks through that valley and comes out triumphantly. All the time he does as you read the Psalms. And so we get to verse 5 and 6 of Psalm 13, and it says this, But I have trusted in your loving kindness, your chesed. See if you could say that. you got to kind of clear your throat. It starts with the chet, uh, chesed. But I have trusted in your chesed, your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation, which sounds like Yeshua. It's not the exact word Yeshua, but it sounds like that in Hebrew, your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So he starts off quite sad, but he ends with the singing. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So this brings us to point two. And this, the A is this. Announce God's resurrection life in your valley of dry bones. Announce God's resurrection life in your valley of dry bones. So we see this brings us to Ezekiel chapter 37, 1 through 10. As God's prophetic people, we are called like Ezekiel to transform the valley of dry bones around us. We can only do this by eating, knowing, and speaking God's word. Before Ezekiel began his ministry, the Lord had him eat the scroll. And there was in this scroll, it's... What's represented by the scroll is the crying and the lament and the heartache of God. He has to eat this scroll that's written inside and out, and he eats this scroll. And that empowers him to prophesy and bring life. And then we come here to this great test of his. As he's in this valley of dry bones, I'll read some of it to you. Ezekiel 37, 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round and about and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. It will stop right there. We live. If you have eyes to see spiritually, we live in the middle of a valley of dry bones. In our communities, in our city, in our nation, there's dry bones all around us. But God has called us as his prophetic people to be those who bring life to the dry bones. Who transform the valley. Verse 4, again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So what's the answer for the dry bones? It is the word of God, the prophetic word of God spoken from the prophet's mouth. Every word that we, should, we preach and teach should be prophetic in nature. 
That means it's coming from the heart of God. It's coming from the mouth of God. It's a word in season, and it brings life. And so the solution here is to speak the word of God. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And really, this is the only source of life is God himself and his word. His word is spirit and his word is life. There's nowhere else to go except his word. We may say, well, you know, I want to do something else, but where can we go? Like Peter said, only he has the words of eternal life. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, sinews were on them and flesh grew and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. And I love how this ends, and I've shared this before. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army an exceedingly great army. And that's what God's people are called to be, an exceedingly great army. But it's impossible without the word of God and impossible without the breath of God and impossible unless we stand and we as God's people prophesy to the dry bones. So this whole point has to do with announce God's resurrection life in your valley of dry bones. God is able to make our valleys of Ahor Trouble, a door of hope. Remember, Achor is the place where they stoned Achan. Achan, who had hidden all those buried treasures, those ancient treasures, hidden it in his tent. And Israel could not stand against Ai, this small city. Even though they just defeated Jericho, they could not stand against Ai because they had this hidden sin in them. Just one man. And the one man held back the whole uh, community and so they had to find the sin and they had to uncover the sin and then they had to stone Achan and his family which is very tragic and very troublesome and uh, we are not stoning anybody today the lesson for us is we need to deal ruthlessly and radically with sin we need to um deal with it uh, swiftly. Now, Achor uh, was a place, this valley of Achor was a place of great trouble. But in Hosea 2.15, the prophet picks up on this and he says, then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. So it talks about the valley of Achor as a door of hope. So this valley of trouble, this valley of tragedy, becomes then a door of hope. 
and in our lives, our own valleys of Acor, God wants to turn into doors of hope. Doors of hope. Amen. Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7. And Psalm 84 has been on my heart this week. Verses 5 through 7 say, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baha. That sounds like weeping, the valley of weeping. I know the NLT translates it like that. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. In other words, they transform that valley. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I like to read the beginning of Psalm 84. It starts with, and I wish we all had this heart. And I, I think many of us do, but oh, that we would all, I'm talking about all of God's people, all those who confess Christ would have this heart. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs for, even yearns for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. They, here, the heart of the worshiper longs to be in the dwelling place of God. And how lovely are your dwelling places. And today, the dwelling places of God are his churches. And then the psalmist sees a bird with a nest on the altar. And here's this bird living on the altar, and it inspires him. And what he's saying is that I wish to be living on the altar I wish to be one of, the, one of these birds on the altar. I wish to live on the altar. And then he's talking about life being a pilgrimage. And in that pilgrimage, there's these dwelling places where you come and you find life and strength as you're on your pilgrimage. And there's, this, there's these valleys. But passing through the valley of Baha, they make it a spring, living waters flowing out. And the early rain also covers it with blessing. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. And then it goes on to say, verse 10, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. That's Psalm 84. As God's people, we have power to transform the environment around us. We are like Nehemiah, who changed the rubble into something regal. Nehemiah, God used Nehemiah to restore the walls. And we are those that God has called to change the rubble into what is regal. We are the restorers and the igniters of revival. And we cannot come down from the great work we are doing. And as a church, our church, we are different. And there's a number of these churches around. But we're different in that we are not called to just do what Australian churches have been doing for decades. We're called to be an authentic biblical community that is real and that hosts God's presence and, and where Jesus is building his church and the body of Christ is working together, all together doing that work. And so it's not that the leaders are doing all the ministry. We are equipping you to do the works of ministry and we are supporting you in the vision that God has called you in. Hallelujah. And doing this pioneering work is tough because we are pulling down strongholds. I hope that you see that this church is called to this great work of being, bringing restoration to the body of Christ and that we are not like any other church we are, have been sent by God, we have been called, we have been chosen, and please don't bring in other kinds of thoughts. We want the, what the Bible says. We want what the Scripture says, and that's what we're contending for. We're contending for that these springs of living water, bringing life to the dry bones, not just the religion of the past, but the living and act of God at work. Is that the longing of your heart? Because that's the longing of my heart, that this place is a dwelling place for God to move and act and work. And is not just a quote-unquote church, but a dwelling place for God. Amen. So this brings, so announce, that was point two, and the next ones will go a bit quicker. Announce God's resurrection life in your valley of dry bones. Three, point three, the L, is look for God's goodness. Look for God's goodness. How do you make it through the valley? You look for God's goodness. Lamentation 3. Lamentations is a book of five chapters. The third one is the middle, the heart of the book of Lamentations. 
And in the heart of the book of Lamentations, we see that Jeremiah's poetry takes a turn when he hits the seventh letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Zayin. So he's working his way through the Hebrew alphabet in chapter 3. And this one's interesting because it will start three verses with the same Hebrew letter and then move on to the next Hebrew letter and go three verses. And so we see him going Aleph, 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 starting his poetry, then Bet, 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 then Gimel, 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 then Dalit, 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 then Hey, 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 then Vav, Vav, Vav. And then when he gets to the seventh letter, Zayin, that's when the lament starts to turn and hope starts to arise. Because he begins to remember. The, the word for remember in Hebrew begins with Zayin. He begins to remember God's loving kindness, his chesed, and also God's goodness, his tov. We'll go over there. Go over to Lamentations chapter 3. So you would know these verses, but what I'm trying to do is explain the poetry and the structure of the poetry and the art behind it. And you would have heard this. this, this uh, when I read this section, this is the chesed section of Lamentations chapter 3. And so it's beginning with chesed words. I'm sorry, not the, the chesed, it's the, the chet section. But it's focusing on, as we begin, chesed, God's loving kindness. So this is the chet section, 23, 22, 23, and 24 the Chet section, and you would have, you, you would know these famous words, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. So these lines all begin with the Chet word. The first het word in verse 22 is chesed, the Lord's loving kindness. And then it's talking about newness, chadash. They are new every morning. And then it's talking about portion, chelak, which is portion. God is my portion. So listen to that. Again, the Lord's loving kindness, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Now, before that, before that, we go to verse 16. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. So here he's voicing his sorrow. But then we get into the Zayin part, the seventh letter of the Hebrew alphabet. He says, remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. 
So what's happening at the Zayin part of the, the poem is a whole turning where he begins to ask God to remember, but also he remembers God's chesed, his loving kindness, his goodness, his kind love. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. And now we get to the next session, which is the tet section. And that's the ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Say tet. This is the ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet and begins a famous Hebrew word, tov. Say tov. And I sent a morning thought about this. Tov means good. Tov means good. And when God created the heavens and the earth, when God created the heavens and the earth, he said tov meod. It was very good. And so now, he's thinking about God's goodness. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. So that's the Tov section. What I want to bring out in this is in that, that triple Tet uh, verses. Jeremiah sees God's goodness. And in our pain, in our lamentations, in our weeping, we need to look for God's goodness. Where is God's goodness in our life? What is God doing? What is his hand? Uh, where is his hand moving and acting? Look for God's goodness and remember that God is always good to those who wait for him, who hope in him, who expect him, and to the person who seeks him. So look for the tov, look for the goodness. And I've summed, uh, I've summed this up in the morning thought that I sent out this week. Life is full of valleys of lamentation. It would be naive to think that your walk with God does not have times of weeping. But in these valleys, there are lilies, beautiful pieces of God's detailed artistry. On the mountaintop, we see the Lord's glorious victory. In the valley, we behold the thoughtful detail he creates in our lives. The very fragrance of Christ that our Father infuses within us in our darkness. Tet is the ninth letter in the Hebrew alphabet and begins one of the most precious Hebrew words, tov, meaning good. After God created everything, he stepped back and said that it was tov meod, very good or extremely beautiful. Tov can also be used for beautiful. Alone by, by themselves, Lamentations. Alone lamentations are not good, but alongside everything God is creating within you, they are like the dark parts of a painting. They cause the brighter colors to pop. When we reach the heart of the book of Lamentations, we come into the tov field. I call it the tov field. Each verse of this triplet, trove, begins with tov. The Lord is good, tov. Uh, 
It begins with Tov when he says, the Lord is good. Even amid my weeping, my tears serve to water the ground for the seeds of God's word to flourish. Tet, that ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, looks like a basket. And in this basket, the Lord stores his beautiful treasures. When you weep, he personally hands you one of those, one of these chosen gems from this container of his goodness. Tet also begins the portion of Psalm 119, 65, which says, Good, this is my translation, good, so good you've been to your servant, O Yahweh, just like your word states. Good, so good you've been to your servant, O Yahweh, just like your word states. And then in the Tet section of Psalm 119, we also have this emphasis on Tov, God's goodness. So let's move forward. Let's move forward. Point four. So what we just covered is look for God's goodness. Now, the next L is look to the shepherd and his staff. Look to the shepherd and his staff. And we are going to Psalm 23, 3 through 4 here. In Psalm 23, verses 3 through 4, David gives us insight on making it through the valley. First, he talks about the path of righteousness. And that's, this is the path of living right before God. And we've been talking about the breastplate of righteousness. And underlying everything we're talking about is this whole subject of righteousness. We're learning how to put on that breastplate of righteousness. We are learning what it means to be righteous in everything that we're talking about here. We first started to talk about the belt of truth many weeks ago. And now we're focusing on this breastplate of righteousness and we know that he, the Lord is a shepherd and he's leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So first we see this path of righteousness that is living right will at times bring you into gloomy valleys. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, it could be translated as the valley of gloom or thick darkness. Actually, the word death does not appear in the Hebrew there. But we're so used to saying it. And, of course, I, I think uh, it has some important meaning. But literally, it's the valley of gloom or thick darkness. Like a valley where a thick cloud has come, but this is a darkness that can be felt. It's, a, it's, it's one, the word is one up level from the normal word of darkness in Hebrew. This is a thick darkness, a valley of gloom. But here, how do we make it through the valley? We need to look to the shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of thick darkness, actually, uh, I will fear no evil. I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And this word is not the usual word for with in Hebrew. This is the word to stand. So the Lord is standing with us, giving us strength and support in that valley. 
because he is our shepherd. So when we're in that valley, we look to the shepherd and we look to his rod and his staff. And the psalmist says his rod and his staff comfort him. So what does that mean? So in David's mind, your rod and your staff are probably not two different items, but one, uh, the shepherd's staff, which is serving both as a staff and a rod. What David is bringing out is the great shepherd has all authority to protect us from evil. Ra. And misfortune. Ra. The, the shepherd's rod is a weapon to smite his enemies. So smite the wood or the wolves. <laughs> to smite the wolves. And any enemies, lions, any enemies that come against the sheep, any demonic forces here. The shepherd's rod is a weapon to smite enemies, but also it can be used to discipline the, sleep, the sheep, <laughs> the sleeping sheep. <laughs> the shepherd's staff speaks of support. So that's the idea of the rod. The, the, the staff, the shepherd's staff speaks of support, especially for walking. So in the valley, lean on the shepherd. Look to his rod. Look to his staff. And remember, his rod is your rod. So what was the solution for Moses when he was stuck between a rock and a hard place? He was to lift up his staff. Do you remember that in Exodus 14? How are you? You with me? We're almost finished here. You're walking with me through the valley? You're fearing no evil? So, but Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the, for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again, again forever. Yep. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Remember, God is speaking to us to march forward. We're to keep on walking through the valley. And one of the things I want to bring out is when you're in the valley, you need to keep walking. Don't build a house there. <laughs> you need to keep on walking. You don't want to build a house of misery and stay there. Keep walking. And we're talking here metaphorically. We're not talking about an actual actual house. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on the dry land. Before that, they thought we were, they were going to die. But Moses has in his hand the rod of God and he has to lift it up. And this is what causes the sea to divide. And in the same way, you need to remember God's rod. He has given you his rod. He has given you his authority. Anne talked about that authority in her testimony. You have authority in God. And it's important to realize what's in your hand. God has given you his authority. We are a people who walk in authority. We are a people who have the word of God. So we don't just let the situations beat us up. 
we fight back. We start prophesying life into the valley. We start stretching out our rod in Jesus' name and believing for the obstacles to be removed, especially the demonic forces that come against us and his church and whatever is keeping the church asleep. We're saying, in Jesus' name, arise and awake. Amen? And we pray. And the prayer has great authority when it's done in Jesus' name and out of a pure heart. Attacks often try to strip us of our authority. But while we may weep before God, we do not weep before the devil. We stand against the devil. We weep before the Lord, but we do not weep before the enemy. We stand against the enemy with great authority because Jesus has given us his own authority and we are his ambassadors. So let's not allow the attacks to strip us of our authority. We may weep before God, but we must stand strong against the evil one. We don't weep before the enemy. Coming to an end here, 5E is encourage someone else. Encourage someone else. How do you get through this valley? Encourage somebody else because the valley may cause you to think more about yourself. We got to look to the Lord's goodness. We got to look to him as our shepherd with his staff, with his rod. And also, how can we encourage somebody else? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. We read this the other week. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Last week when I wept here um, and my cry was, Lord, help me, I thank God that all of you came around me and we had communion together and you prayed for me. And then online, I got to have a drama like this every week if anybody's going to read my posts. I had all these likes and people commenting. I'm only joking about a drama. <laughs> Sometimes I send a, a morning thought out. I get about one or two likes. But this one had over f about 60 likes and comments and this and that. That's why I say I need to have a drama every week so someone reads something. Yeah. I'm joking around. I'm not being serious. <laughs> but everybody was encouraged me, so that helped. That encouragement helped me, and we need to encourage one another. And so when we're going through the valley, look for someone to encourage. Who can you encourage? I want you, this is my challenge this week. It's within the March challenge, but it's not a whole big challenge. It's, it's just this. Go out, your, go, go out of your way to find someone to encourage this week, someone you usually don't encourage. Anybody willing to take that challenge? Go out of your way to encourage somebody this week, someone you usually don't encourage. And that helps get your eyes off yourself and onto the Lord. The last point is this, the why. 
Yield to God's inward work. Yield to God's inward work. So like Nehemiah built the walls of Jerusalem, Jesus is doing a good work within us, rebuilding our inward walls of fortitude and fortification. Pain can make you want to rebel and withdraw, but this is the time you need to yield to God's inner work when you're going through the valley. And this is the time where God is infusing in you, if you let him, the fragrance of Christ. It is the bride who said in Song of Songs, I am the lily of the valley. Often we think it's the bridegroom who said it, but it's the bride. She knew who she was. She said, I am the lily of the valley. I just bought Anna some lilies, not trying to connect us with the message at first. But the, the, I always try to buy the lilies that are closed because they're going to last longer because they're going to open. And so they were all closed. And then they began to open just uh, yesterday or the day before. They began to open. Now most of them are open. And now there's a beautiful scent of lilies in the home. And as you yield to God, it's like you're opening yourself to God and the beautiful fragrance of Christ is emanating from your life so this the valley is a time to find the lilies and to discover that you are one of those lilies and that your call is to emit the fragrance of Christ 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 through 15 this will be our last two verses but thanks be to God but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifest, us, manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God and among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So this fragrance is the sacrificial love of Christ. Someone came to me with a great prayer. I won't mention who, but a great prayer to pray that I would have the sacrificial love of Jesus. Isn't that a great prayer? This fragrance is the sacrificial love of Christ that makes up the breastplate of righteousness. Paul talks about the breastplate in another place as the breastplate of faith and love. One time he talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Another time in first, it's first Thessalonians, he talks about the breastplate of faith and love. That's what righteousness is made of, faith and love. Amen? So it's all, let's all stand and we're going to pray. And as we stand, I'll just repeat to you how you can make it through the valley. First, V, voice your pain and your sorrow to God. And we're spelling the word valley here. So the first thing is voice your pain and sorrow to God. The A is announce God's resurrection life. Then the two L's are look for God's goodness and look to the shepherd and his staff. And finally, the E and the Y is encourage someone else and yield to God's inward work. This is what the Lord's been teaching me this week. And 
I, I could have got someone else to preach this week because I had been going through a lot emotionally. But I did not want to allow all that was going in my heart to stop me from sharing the Word of God. And often what I find is when we're going through the most, that's when the most precious treasures come out. And so my goal was, here's what God's been teaching me this week. Let me share it with you. Amen. So now we're gonna, I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. Father, there's many going through valleys. Many going through valleys of hardship and lamentation and darkness and trouble and valleys of weeping. There's, there's many going through things, but I'm praying right now that we would know your presence as greater than the darkness we may feel. And that we would know your rod and your staff comforting us. That we would see the tov, the goodness. Your goodness. I would have despaired if I had not believed in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, Lord, I'm praying that we would see, we would know that tov, that goodness. Psalm 27, verse 13, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So, Lord, we now want to speak to the dry bones and say, dry bones live. And church of Jesus Christ, arise in Jesus' name. I could use your help with this. We're speaking to the dry bones to live in Jesus' name. We're speaking life to the death that's in the church. We're speaking your resurrection life in the name of Jesus. Let your resurrection life come into your people, come into our church, come into those who are sick and weak. Let life come in. We pray for the valleys to be made into living streams and springs of water. Thank you, Jesus. We're not finished yet. I would just want to spend.